If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We've been, if you haven't been with us, we've been doing the Lord's Prayer over the last four weeks. And even before that, a build up to it. And um, we are looking at, today we're looking at the uh, giving us our daily bread. But this prayer that God has given to us, if you've not been here, is not to be given to us by, to rattle it off parrot fashion, but to use it step by step to bring honor and glory to God and to have intimate fellowship with Him. So it's a wonderful model prayer. So let's read it, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this, be, this prayer be, begins with a focus on God, right? A focus on God, who he is. Um, it, it focuses on him as our father, focuses on his name, focuses on his kingdom, and it focuses on his will. We prayed, we preached into all of those areas, and last week uh, we looked at the will, the father's will. We preached into that area. And today there's a swing from God to man and to man's need. So we need to put God's interests first. And when we do that, then we can come with him with our needs. And Michael Eaton says this. This is a very significant order. We are submitting ourselves to God and putting his honor and glory before our own. So God is concerned about his glory, right? He's primarily concerned about his glory. But he's not unconcerned about us. He's concerned about us. He's concerned about our needs as well. But our needs don't override God's, God's glory and his prominence. The problem is that we too often rush into God's presence because of our selfishness and self-centeredness. And we rattle off a whole lot of prayers without giving him praise and worship. And we need to praise and worship this great God that we serve. He's worthy of our praise. He's indeed worthy of our praise. How dare we come to him without praising him and adoring him each time we come to him in, in prayer. And so often we are, are so anxious and panicky that we come to God only with our needs. And we don't come and acknowledge his glory and his honor and his splendor. He's a great God. He's the Lord God Almighty, creator and sustainer of all things. The one who has redeemed us. The one who loves us with a passion. And so we need to focus on him. And when we focus on him, we bring glory and honor to his name. Do we not? And it increases our faith. Because we're looking away from our little situation, and we're looking to the great I am, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who's unchanging, the one who is all-powerful, the one who is all-loving. It reduces our stress. It reduces our anxiety when we do that. Have you noticed that? You know, when, when, when I'm in, in really in the dwang, you know, I remember back, and I did that this morning in my quiet time, remember back 
Lord, you were with me there. And that, I thought it was going to be disastrous. I didn't know how I was going to cope. And you, you came out for me. And, and you go through your life. You go through your life and you see the power of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God. You have to praise Him. You have to, it, it brings you away from your panicky situation and it produces faith. We are dependent on God. It says here, for bread, for pardon for sins, and victory over the evil one. So why this order? That, that, that was the question that the early church fathers asked and were puzzled with. You know, why the physical needs before the spiritual needs? Surely this, there was something, something wrong in this order, and our early church fathers like Tertullian, Cyprian, and Augustine said, no, it, it had to be spiritual. And so it had to be the, the communion, the bread of the communion. It, it had to be the bread of the word of God. You, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Or it had to be Jesus. In John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus proclaimed that he was the bread of life. But that's spiritualizing. And John starts correct in saying, we should be thankful for the greater down-to-earth biblical understanding of the Reformers. Calvin's comment on the spiritualizing father, fathers was, this is exceedingly absurd. <laughs> Luther had the wisdom to see that bread was a symbol for everything necessary for the preservation of this life, like food, a healthy body, good weather, house, family, good government. Artie Kendall expounds on this meaning of bread, saying, daily bread refers not only to food on our tables, but to life's essential needs. This petition does not refer to literal bread only. Bread in Hebrew meant all kinds of nutrition. It refers, refers to physical needs, emotional needs, material needs, the needs for friends, transportation, and jobs. And so the Lord does, didn't make a mistake when he put bread First, and we'll see, we'll un unwrap that as we go. So why should we be praying for bread that's including every one of our needs when God knows our needs already? Glad you asked the question. Matthew 6 and verse 31 and 32. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And Paul says in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your needs in glory with these riches, according to his riches in glory. But we have to understand the context of this passage of scripture and, and, and pack it to understand the importance of the question. It's an important question. We're living in a vastly different world, are we not, to that of Jesus in his time, Right? I mean, those people were poor, 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 right through, right through society. They lived from hand to mouth. They were paid at the end of each day. How about that? And so if they didn't work, they didn't get paid. And they didn't eat. Because they didn't have enough to, to put aside for the following day or the following day, just in case they couldn't work. If they were sick or if they were injured, they couldn't work. If, if, if the weather was bad and there was a drought and 
it would be disastrous. So this wasn't a small prayer that, that Jesus is asking us to pray. It's a big prayer. It was a big prayer for them. And it's a big prayer for people today. Give us this day our daily bread. And so Jesus' followers were being taught to trust the Heavenly Father to meet their basic needs. Not only then, but here in our day and age. Now I want to look at several points relating to this question and relating to this text. I think we've got eight, so um, buckle up. Number one, Jesus said you'll always have the poor with you. And in the last time, in last days, the word prophesies that there are going to be perilous times of droughts and upheavals and earthquakes and, 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 and they will be poor. And they are poor in our land as well and throughout the world to today. 39% of our population are out of work. 60%, a whopping 60% of our young People up to the age of 30 are jobless. It says for us to say to the Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say give me this day my daily bread. We're focused and we're to be focused on the world, on our world. Are we praying for our government? I mean, are we really praying for the, for the situation to turn around? We've been downgraded. And we don't want to go to junk status. We need to be praying. Jobs are at stake. Lives are at stake. And I'm not over-dramatizing. This is part and parcel of this prayer, which is, is vital, which is important, which is crucial. It's a worldwide problem. According to the 2017 stats from the United Nations, 821 million people went to bed hungry every night. Got some other stats here. Estimate that 795 million people lack the necessary food to live a healthy lifestyle. Estimate that as many as 25,000 people lose their lives every day because they don't have food. UNICEF estimates globally that 165 million children under the age of five experience stunted growth, and many of them never fully recover. Do you see the importance of this prayer? It's not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing here because we're concerned for others as well. We have to be. Secondly, another reason why we should be praying this prayer is that we cannot take it for granted that we are going to have food on the table because things can happen overnight. We can lose our health, we can lose our jobs, we can lose our wealth in a flash. And so we can never become blasé and think that we can be self-sufficient. I don't need God. I can go it alone. I'm self-made. I've done very well, thank you very much, God. Everything that we have is from God, right? Every perfect, good and perfect gift is from the Father above. James chapter 1.17 and 1 Corinthians 4.7b says, What do you have that you did not receive from God? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? 
Another reason that we are to pray this prayer is that it keeps us in gratitude towards God, right? It keeps us in gratitude towards God. You know, ingratitude is the biggest insult to God that we can, that we can um, present. Martin Lloyd-Jones is, is spot on when he writes, Life in Western society is not quite as precarious as it was in the first century. We have received so much more, but sadly our very wealth has contributed to our thanklessness and to our spiritual bankruptcy. Think about, about the amount of food that is wasted in the West. I mean, the figures are staggering. I don't have them on hand, but you can look them up. In, in America alone, the, tons of food are thrown away every day that could feed the multitudes. We dare not waste. We dare not waste. We dare not waste. And we need to be thankful for God. Why do I thank God when I come to a meal when I've got a bank account? Because I live in thankfulness, in gratitude, and in dependence on God. Four, another reason that we pray this prayer is that we're in a relationship with an almighty God. This whole prayer is about relationship, right? And how, how blessed we are to have a relationship with God! Whoa, it's enormous. We, we, we can never grow stale in that. Think, oh well, take it for granted. We're in relationship with him. Yes, he does know our needs. We're not coming to him and saying, huh, you know, uh, do you know? No, he's God, he knows everything. Oh, have you forgotten? No, no, he hasn't forgotten. So why do we come to him? Become, because he's our father. He's our father and he cares for us. There have been many times when I was saying, Father, we don't have too much, please. And he cares for us in that moment. Can you, can, can you imagine if you had children and you sent them off to Varsity in Cape Town and you paid for their, their fees, were all paid for, and then you put a whole chunk of money into their account for the whole year so that they could have a, a, you know, inter, an interesting year. And then you phone, you phone them and you contact them, you know, in various ways. No response. They don't do that as well, you know. No emails, no SMSs, no, no whatever else. They don't even come back for holiday. Wow. That would be tragic. A relationship. You see, they would be loving the gift more than the giver. We are in relationship with an almighty God. Our heavenly Father loves having a relationship with us. I don't, I don't think I can even realize how, how much he loves this relationship. Far more than I love my relationship with him. So much so that he died for that relationship. And so... He doesn't give us everything that we need in one big lump sum like the prodigal son was given. Remember the prodigal son you know, kept up with his father when he was in a distant country? No ways. He's got the money, you know. You know, father can do his thing. It's a relationship because it's a day-to-day -day experience 
It's ongoing with him. The question is, how much do we value our relationship with our Father in heaven? Or are we in it just for what we can get out of it? Get out from him. There have been times in my life when things haven't gone my way and think, what is, what's going on with you, God? And I've been miffed with God. It's crazy, eh? I've known Christians who have not come to church over the years that I've served because they're fed up with God. You know, he hasn't done their thing. Push button God. He hasn't come to the party. How much do we value our relationship with Him? Five, we are praying for daily needs, yeah? immediate needs, not, not future needs. Trusting God for our daily needs keeps us grounded. So we don't live too much in the future. We're often so living in the future that we get all stewed up and say, wow, I'm not going to cope. You know, I'm not coping now. I'm a, and a, you know, the future, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cope even less. And so he says, don't worry about the future. Matthew 6, 34 says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't compound it, is what Jesus is saying over here, day to time. So it seems that Jesus wanted his followers to be conscious of a day-to-day dependence on him. The operative word is daily, epiusos is the Greek word used, and it's used by Jesus, used nowhere else. And scholars think that Jesus had in the back of his mind the children of Israel as, as they journeyed through um, towards the promised land. Remember they were in the desert, and uh, they had no food. They'd been taken out of Egypt, and they were crying to God for, for sustenance, and God provided them a day at a time. A day at a time. And on the Friday, he gave them two portions because it was a holy day. The next day, Saturday, it was the Sabbath. And so they were very conscious that their very lives were dependent on God day to day. If, if God took our breath away, that would be it. We, we're totally dependent on God as well, are we not? For the very breath that we breathe, we can never grow blasé and think that we can go it alone. And so it, it doesn't mean that we don't have to work anymore because God sovereignly provided here and he performed a miracle. All right? It means that we need to save if we can. So often we live above our means that we can't actually save. We live for the moment. And I've known of many Christians in the many churches that we've served and they've lived above their means and then suddenly they run to relatives, friends in the church when they're in need. But they've brought themselves in the dwang themselves. doesn't mean to say that we, we mustn't contribute towards a pension fund. I've come across Christians like that and it's like, no, God will provide. And then God didn't provide. It's like, what happened? Actually, we're too super spiritual. We need to be grounded. We need to trust God. And we also need to do, play our part. Number six, this petition doesn't mean to say that we don't have to work. Have I said that? Um, Already I've jumped my gun. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve didn't work, right? Right? Still there. 
But when sin came in, what did God say? You have to work by the sweat of your brow. And Paul says to his new converts in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if man shall not work, he shall not eat. If he refuses to do anything and he can do something, you shouldn't feed him. That's what he's saying here. When we went to Malawi on a mission, uh, there were notices up. Don't feed the beggars because we don't want to have a nation of beggars. And there were very few beggars. And boy, the people were working. They were hardworking and industrious. We need to work. Seven, this petition is for our basic needs and not for luxuries. It's not for luxuries. I've heard Christians saying, you know, I'm, I'm praying to win the lotto and I'm going to give the church so much. Like, does that, does that make it any better? <laughs> and we're not to play the slot machines as a means of existing. Um, our source is God, is it, is it not? It's not those things. We're dishonoring God when we, we rush off to those spheres. Kendall says, the purpose of this petition is to warn us against greed. Why? Because it refers to what is immediate. So, you know, I don't come to, have to come to God and say, look, Lord, I've got a, I've got a jazz, but Cadillac will do. Um, maybe a Rolls Royce? Um, no. We need to be happy with what God has given to us. Eight, this petition is to be prepared so that we can do the will of God. The, 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 the prior petitions were, your kingdom come and your will be done. Right? And that happens. We cannot be productive. We cannot be uh, fruitful when, when we have a huge need. When our needs are not being met. I know of many pastors and some missionaries who have left ministry because their basic needs have not been met. They've become anxious, uptight, unproductive in their churches. Um, there have been issues, mental stresses, emotional, physical, mental stresses. And uh, the churches have, uh, have lost them. There is a corporate responsibility for God's will to be done. In the kingdom of God. Artie Kendall says the truth is. It is extremely difficult to cope spiritually. When we are unwell. Hungry. Thirsty. Deep in debt. Going without sleep. And having no money. In other words. It is extremely difficult. To serve God. When our basic needs are not met. And comes back to. Give us this day. Our daily bread praying for others so that they would be able to do the will of God. Maybe we are fine, but what about the others? In conclusion then, how are we doing for time? You can still go to those roasts that, um, that I was reminded of before I started and um, that you were going to people or people were coming to you. So if we're living beyond our means, we need to drastically change our lifestyles. We need to take those credit cards and we need to do plastic surgery. We don't have to go to specialists. There is a specialist here, but uh, he won't do that for you. 
Uh, we've got to do it for ourselves. Cup, 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 cut, cut. And um, we need to be praying for the needs of others. We need to be living in gratitude. We need to be sharing our resources. We need to be living generously towards the church, towards others, towards giving everything that we have to God and not holding on. When we hold on and we come just for ourselves, we become impoverished. And so this prayer is a far-reaching prayer for us today. Let's enter into it with joy and let's see God work richly in our land, amongst those who are not, not in a good place in our church. Let's be mindful of them as well.